Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, everyone. So, Mark, you're in all good? Yeah, morning. I'm in. I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, I literally typed the same thing like five times, but uh, I guess the last time it worked. It's the high frequency of your pure energy was creating a malfunction with the electrical currents of Chakshu. It's probably what happened. It must have been that. This, the purity of your essence that going to happen a lot, Mark, so just prepare yourself for that. <laughs> uh, Jennifer just emailed me, and she, um, the she's on, in the English countryside, and the Wi-Fi there is not adequate enough to let her get on. So she's going to listen to the recording of class, so sending you love, Jennifer. And then she's back in the States for a long time, so convenient for us. <laughs> and uh, Martha, I know you're driving today, so we won't have you read because we value your, your uh, safe passage. So I see everyone else is on the call. Welcome, everybody. It's good to connect with you all. feels like it's been a while. So let's begin by going within. We're going to do a little bit of a devote some time to meditation today and to prayer. And what we're going to do is a group prayer after we do um, our meditation. So obviously, Mark, if you're driving, please don't meditate, but you can be very mindful of your drive. Everyone else, we're going to do a five-minute silent meditation followed by a group prayer. So I'll begin the prayer. And let us practice the G-O-D-S method. Gratitude, offer, declare, share. And, you know, give yourself 90 seconds or so to do your prayer so we can allow class to move along. But um, we'll all just sort of create the energy of the intention today. And... What we'll do is I'll simply call your name and then you'll offer your prayer, okay? So let's begin by sitting in a comfortable upright position where our spine is erect. If you're in a space where there is distraction, I invite you to find a space where you're not distracted. Now let's just take a couple deep breaths in and out.
And as we gently place our attention on the stream of breath, we follow it as it goes in through our nose, as it transforms into an out-breath in our lungs and then leaves. And we just create the intention within our own mind to clear our thoughts so that we can create the space to fully recognize the divine. And in our mind's eye, we see waves and waves. We invite and allow waves of bright white light to flow through our physical body, our emotional body, our mental body, and our etheric body. Waves of bright white light. light is rejuvenating, restorative, purifying. It supports us in releasing any energetic blocks. It supports us in cutting the cords to the past so that we may bring with us only the loving wisdom from all experiences that will allow us to align with our loving intention to express our true nature We'll take five minutes just to breathe in the bright white light and breathe out the light. And if at any time you notice that your mind has wandered onto plans that you have later today, something that happened yesterday, work that needs to be done, gently acknowledge that when you become aware of it without any judgment and then bring your mind back to your breaths and the light, the bright white light. Five minutes.
and taking a deep breath in, deep breath of gratitude. I'll begin the prayer by just saying how grateful I am to have this moment to quiet my mind, to align with my loving heart, to remind myself of my loving intention, just to remember the truth of who I am, that I am the light of the world. And so I offer up any blocks that might prevent me from remembering this, any blocks that keep me in a state of duality, any beliefs, any thoughts, any habits that make me feel unworthy, unlovable. I offer them up right now. I place them on the holy altar in my mind so that I may alter my perspective, my perception, and embrace my truth, my freedom, my peace, my joy, my beauty, my intelligence, all of those things that are installed within me, gifts of my Creator. I allow them to express freely as my life, and I'm grateful to do so. And I share all of the healing benefits of this remembrance, of this practice, of this time together with everyone because I am one with them in grace and gratitude. I release the word and I let it be and I pass to Soki. Vibrationally aligning myself to my source energy. I feel that I am love. I am perfect order. I am beauty. I am balance. I am joy. I am abundance. I am peace. I am power. I am perfect, whole, and complete. And I don't need to do anything. I don't need to prove anything. Just be and express the divine soki, the unique divine soki that I am on this planet, in everything that I do, in everything that I think of, in everything that I say. Because it's just simply me. I am. And I pass this on to Mark. I'm so grateful to uh created a path, a journey, an experience of life where I'm surrounded by constant reminders of my truth. Reminders that take many, many forms. Forms of those who are on this conscious journey with me and those who may not be as conscious of this journey. Always reminding me, bringing back to center place of what I'm here to do and most importantly, who I'm here to be. I offer up and release any distractions, choices, thoughts, or other things that move my attention away from what I'm truly here to experience. I declare a willingness to be focused and centered. Come back to that one truth. Come back to my peace. I 
being present and being joyful. And I share this knownness, I share this willingness, I share this release, and I share this gratitude with all. For all is one, and that oneness is simply God. In peace and love and gratitude, it is. And I pass to L.E. I'm breathing in the energy of all of us being connected in the present now. And I feel so filled with love and in alignment of our divine truth being on this journey together to support each other, to love each other, to see the truth and our God like consciousness that we all have and desire to be one, to experience oneness. I offer up any past memories or words or feelings that do not align with this consciousness. We are all worthy. We are all a part of the creator, the the divine light. And I carry that with me in this present moment. And I bring down that energy fully, wholly. And I share that with all of you today in this moment. And to carry on with you through the weekend, through the week, and it grows and grows and expands to where it is just a part of your consciousness to be one. And I pass that to, I don't know who's left on the combination. Martha or Brandon? Martha. Martha, you might be on mute. All right, we'll just pass to Brandon. Thank you, Divine Creator. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be reminded that I can always keep my heart open, that I don't have to close at any moment in any time, that I can be here unfolding in the way you'd have me be. I release any idea that I need to change control, any idea that I need to have certain people, places, or things as my vehicles to heaven, knowing that your heaven for me is without conditions, that I can have it here and now, that I can have it on this call, that I can have it in this day, that I can move about each and every moment of my life guided only by a divine energy, that I can make the right choices, 
then the right choices, then the right choices, and peace, always. That I never need to worry or be fearful or angry or resentful. That I always can stay put, stay clear, with a light heart and a clear mind, moving forward, being available. Because I know, I know that we are here as beautiful divine creations, allowing each other to see the God in each one of us, revealing those qualities of you to each and every one of us and to expand our capacity to love, knowing that our opportunities to love deeper are each and every moment that I want to question what is going on and why I'm here. I declare that we have that wisdom that is available to all of us here and now. Bless us, divine creator, that we may be a blessing. Guide us that we may be a light for others. Direct our attention to what you'd have us be. And so it is. So it is. Amen, amen, amen. Mm. Yes. Beautiful. All right. So let's take a deep breath in and stretch up. Mm. So good. So. Brandon, I have a question for you. On my walk today, I was walking the dogs in the morning and listening to my audio book, as I I often do. I'll listen to either lectures or a new, uh, whatever book I'm studying right now. God for technology that I can... You just really soak yourself in whatever you're reading these days. Um, and uh, the one of the topics of discussion in the book was looking at and exploring the differences between making the world a better place and abolishing the world. And what is our true goal and what keeps you in a state of duality. So I thought that was a really interesting idea because it really activates the ego. A question like that really activates the ego because one of those options, you know, the ego sees as death and the other option, the ego sees as survival. So, and I feel as though this conversation, and this is a conversation we'll really get into next module as we begin uh, reading A Course in Miracles, because A Course in Miracles is designed to support us in doing one of these two things, uh, or at least begin the process of it. So, what do you think when you hear that, the you know, what is the difference between making the world a better place 
and abolishing the world altogether. What are your thoughts? <laughs> oh my God! This and is... uh, go in five minutes. <laughs> um, can you ask the question one more time? Okay, because I because I, I heard the question and then I heard. Um, you kind of talk about it, but then I kind of got lost in what you were saying as opposed to the question. Yeah, okay. So the difference is between, what's the difference between making the world a better place and abolishing the world altogether? Oh, um, so for me, it's definitely all about my thought forms. So, um, you know, I can recognize that on a three-dimensional plane, there is work to be done, but I can't work with that if I have to write it all off. Um, So for me, it always begins with seeing the world um, as I know it to be, and then recognizing that, and then drawing out those, for lack of a better term, God qualities and amplifying those um, to make more of that as opposed to going where there's perceived poverty, crisis, war, famine, and really honing in on that and going around and telling everyone about that, metaphorically, of course, telling everyone about that and um, magnifying that idea. So, you know, for instance, if I'm talking about uh, places where it's still possible for gay people to be um, put in jail or executed, I will look at it more as my current heroes and visionaries are are living in places where love is illegal, as opposed to um, we need to save those people, you know, in those certain places. So for me, it all just begins with my thoughts around it because then I'm starting, because at the end of the day, all these issues were created by the thought forms and the collective thought forms of everyone else. So I can abolish it if I'm on board with completely erasing everything and I don't believe that things can change just by having a vision or I can have a vision that's truer and stronger than what has been recorded in history up until now and then move from that. Mm -hmm. Good insights. Really beautiful insights. Does anyone else have anything they'd like to add? It's kind of a... I'm just talking. Go ahead, Cookie. The question of making the world a better place or abolishing the world altogether, my thought is that there's nothing to do. There's nothing to prove because right here, right now, everything is perfect, complete, and whole. And we are evolving. We are all on a vacation on Mother Earth. 
uh, one and only planetary host, Mother Earth, and all we need to do is just be and express the divine essence that is who we are in everything, in every breath, in every thought, in every word, in every deed, and in every action. It's God's business. Mm. And uh, personally, we can do everything in ourselves just to express the essence of who we are. The divine Soki that I am, the divine Brandon, divine Jesse, divine Mark, divine Ellie. So it's God's, it's God's business. He, create, he or she created this world. And we're here to express uh, the divine manifestation of who we are. That's why we are all here together for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a process. And I think that this is the process that we're all in together in being able to recognize and allow those uh, qualities those divine qualities to express because we've been conditioned, we've been taught to limit ourselves. And so there is a process of unlearning that needs to unfold in order to allow that um, true essence that we all are to express fully. I love what you said, Sophie. Beautiful. You too, Brandon. Beautiful. Anyone else? So when we're speaking in the the terms of non-duality, and radical forgiveness is a non-dualistic teaching. Um, and it is a, it's almost a softer version, or a, I would say it's a more tangible version of true forgiveness as taught in A Course in Miracles. I feel like it's the good, like, um, if it was, like, level one, then when we get into forgiveness and, of course, in miracles, that's really, like, level two. <laughs> because true forgiveness in A Course in Miracles requires you to believe that nothing happened. Nothing happened. Not forgiving. Like, we've talked about this. Um, I think quite a bit, um, but we haven't really, really, really gone there. So I'm opening the space for us to really go there and explore these ideas of um, of the illusion, you know. So A Course in Miracles teaches that there's nothing to forgive because nothing happened. In order to understand that, we have to be willing to truly believe that we are not these bodies, that the body, as taught in A Course in Miracles, is the central figure in a dream. And what we believe to be sin always is something that happens by or to the body, our body, 
somebody offended this body, tried to hurt this body, tried to take away the rights of this body or other bodies, bodies which don't exist, bodies which are symbols of separation within an illusion of separation. And so when the Course in Miracles says that nothing happened, it's actually being quite literal. It's not just saying your interpretation of what happened isn't what happened. It's quite, it's being quite literal I, that nothing happens. And so when we explore the differences between making the world a better place and abolishing the world, I think abolish has a negative connotation in it, especially in the realm, in this, in the realm of humanity. However, I, get, I suppose another word we could use is to transcend, to transcend the illusion of the world. So in this context, making the world a better place is making a crazy situation a little less crazy. Making crazy circumstances and crazy ideas and crazy rules and crazy perspectives a little less crazy. And Transcending or abolishing the world means to release the dualistic appearances, appearances of separation altogether, to release it all. So in order to do that, what's interesting is in the realm of the ego, the world that we, pre, that we participate in, this world of separation, when you hear somebody talk like that, and this is what I noticed myself, uh, my reaction to that when I was really listening to the teaching this morning, be like, yeah, but you can't say that because you just sound crazy. But it's actually the opposite. <laughs> the craziness is not only that. You know, we say that it's arrogance if we own our truth, but A Course in Miracles says it's false humility to not own who you actually are, the attributes of who you actually are. And so it's really interesting. It was actually one of the most, um, one of the biggest problems I had uh, earlier on with Reverend Jennifer's teachings because Reverend Jennifer really talked about going for enlightenment. And uh, I was remember I was sharing that she made that commitment. She said, she really said she's committed to in uh, expressing full enlightenment in this lifetime, ascending in this lifetime. And I rolled my eyes and I went to another spiritual teacher that I worked with at that time and shared with them what she said and they also rolled their eyes and was like, oh God. But I understand what she was saying now is she was saying, I'm done playing the crazy game. I'm done trying to fix things in a crazy world. I'm ready to transcend the appearance of separation. I am fully committed to do what I can do to remember my true essence, to awaken to my oneness with God and inspire others to do the same. In order to do that, it, she must be willing to practice true forgiveness. So all of the offenses, not just in her life, but in the world, she must be willing to transcend and see that nothing happens. And there, then, in so doing, begin to truly energize the truth, the vision of truth. 
So how that appears to many people is that she's living in a fantasy world, that she's not uh, addressing the atrocities that's happening on this planet and that she's being irresponsible as a spiritual teacher and so in doing, taking that approach. But she's much more interested in transcending the illusion of all ego appearances because the ego will express in many different ways, but it's always the same thing. It's just separation expressing the separation. And so this is a big work, big job. But I understand, too, why Jennifer spends a lot of her time, you know, in retreat and alone <laughs> because she's doing this work. You know, she's working on her... Um, her own mind. Um, And that's not to say that you can't do this work within the world. In fact, the the Buddha said that householders have uh, have more, a householder being me, you, people that are in the world, that are working, that are, you know, interacting with other people, can more easily achieve enlightenment because we have more opportunity (laughs) <laughs> to, in a sense, he wouldn't, the Buddha didn't teach this way, but to practice true forgiveness because we're always interacting with other people. And so to be able to achieve and transcend the illusion while smack dab, you know, surrounded by people, that's big work. But this is also the work of the practitioner. So, please don't hear me say don't do what you feel called to do. Of course we do. And again, this is progress. This is a progression, but it really did make me consider today to contemplate the idea of am I, where am I just fixing something that can't really be fixed? You know, where am I putting, you know, duct tape on a leak? And how committed am I to doing what needs to be done to transcend the illusion of separation? So to transcend the illusion of separation feels like death to the ego, because it is. And fixing the problem within the realm of separation, within the illusion, gives the ego a chance to survive. And so it's taking those progressive steps towards that through a continuation, a continued practice, a commitment to practice radical forgiveness. Because radical forgiveness will lead you to the uh, space where we can, we've talked about this a lot, be able to see the face of innocence reflected back to us, no matter who stands before us. Who would like to share on that? Any um, any thoughts?
Brandon, I really like what you said about people who are living in places on the planet where, I believe you said, where love is illegal. <laughs> great. That's a great, great uh, way of saying that. I mean, because it's, in essence, it's totally true. And how they are transcending that, being willing to take a stand for what they believe within that. Mm-hmm. In, in order to do that, what fear must they let go of? What specific fear do they, they, they can't have a fear of what in order to take a stand in that? It's a um, big one. I'm not sure. Fear of death. <laughs> well, they have to transcend the fear, oh, of, fear death of death in order yeah, to, yeah. yeah. Right, right. And, you know, I, I was thinking about this recently, I mean, obviously with the whole pride thing, but I was thinking about it recently, and, you know, of course, like, uh, with A Course in Miracles and, um, you know, these challenges we have in relationships are just invitations to love deeper, right? So, um, you know, with, with people who are still really, you know, being tested in that way, um, there's literally just more opportunities for us to see how powerful love is, for us to see how inspiring the human spirit is, and for us to see, like, you know, how people will draw together no matter what. Obviously, you know, there, <laughs> there is still things happening to them, but in the grand scheme of things, and, you know, I, I love what you talked about, of course, in America, it's like the main problem is that we believe we are our bodies, and then the second problem is that we believe in time. So, you know, if we kind of took away the whole, I believe in my body and I believe in time, we wouldn't have any problems. Like nothing would be a problem for us. It, we, we wouldn't die too soon. We wouldn't pass on too soon. We wouldn't be late. We wouldn't, like that wouldn't, those thoughts wouldn't give us issues. So in, on this spectrum where, oh my God, they should have those right, they should have all that right now. Well, on this spectrum, it's like, no, this is our time to witness another group of people expanding their capacity for courage, inspiration, and love and getting to witness that now and, like, take that turn and seeing it as, like, a spherical process as opposed to, like, a linear process of, like, expanding outward, not going along a timeline. Yes. Of course, Miracle says time is a teaching tool until, and it will continue to be a tool for teaching until it's not. <laughs> until we don't need it anymore. And it also says, too, you know, the forgiveness is also an illusion. Forgiveness is an illusion. However, it's a part of the illusion that moves us closer to God, closer to reality. And when it is no longer needed, we'll lay it down as well. So, Ellie, what do you think it means by forgiveness is also an illusion? Forgiveness is an illusion. Um, that there's really, that there's nothing to forgive. In yes. Meaning that our soul came here asking. 
like asking for that to occur, whatever situation occurred that might have hurt you or caused pain or <clears throat> for you um, for a friendship to end, whatever whatever happened, if you were cheated on, if uh, lied to, um, <clears throat> disappointed in some way, abused growing up, whatever the situation may be, um, there's nothing to forgive because it's divine, it's perfect, what it was supposed to happen. And um, that's how I uh, see it. And um, it was all for your self-growth, for your soul to grow. So really it's, oh, thank you. Thank you for hurting me. Now I can take that and I can I can grow. You gave me an opportunity to, to to grow. To heal. Yes, so true forgiveness takes us out of takes us away from the experience of separation because it's teaching us Nothing happened. There's nothing to forgive. Nothing happened. Now, Colin Tipping talks about two perspectives, sort of. Um, he talks about two perspectives with the ego. Either the ego is a loving guide that will take us to these situations to have the experience of separation so we can heal it, or that the ego is sort of you know, uh, something that wants us dead, you know. Um, And the ego is a thought system. That's it. The the ego is a thought system of separation. Another place where there's sort of two different perspectives in the, I would say, in the realm of mysticism is that we are either here as adventurers, as explorers, they were sort of here willing as willing participants to answer the question, what would separation from source be like? And so we've decided to incarnate specifically here now as we are so that we can contribute specific information, bring back specific information to the collective, and the other more uh, fundamental thought is that we are, that we're sort of, uh, we forgot to laugh, that we're sort of imprisoned here, and that we are releasing ourselves out of the prison of a false perception. And, you know, um, I don't know. I'm not 100% clear. To be honest, I lean more towards the idea that we are sort of imprisoned here because that's what it feels like sometimes. But, you know, teachers that I really value and really love and respect and uh, I would say most of the time really resonate with and align with definitely lean more towards the idea that we are here by choice. I think that when we think about being here by choice, it gives us a little more, makes it 
us a little more willing to play. Mark, do you have any thoughts on today's conversation? I do, as soon as I can unmute myself. Um, so, uh, well, I haven't jumped in too much just because, I mean, I don't know. From my perspective, I don't know. This is stuff I kind of, in a way, I don't know, never was really that attached to. I mean, I've been attached to a lot of other things. But the, you know, the idea that there's something wrong in the world or something bad or something that needs to be fixed or something that I need to get involved with and quote-unquote change um, just never has really been something present for me. Um, I mean, significantly present. doesn't mean I, I certainly haven't had moments, but I've always kind of been a little bit more in my own world um, of just kind of just putting more of my attention of what am I doing um, more so than what are other people doing. Um, now, I wish, I shouldn't say I wish, my intention moving forward is that I do that less about what am I doing and really more of who am I being. Um, and I think that's really where my, my growth and work is right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I totally get it. And, you know, the whole thing you were talking about with Jennifer and, you know, about just kind of really wanting to to let go of the duality and and just kind of really be in that space and be fully committed to that. Um, just you know, I think for me has always been always been there. It's always been my intention. It's always been my perceived destination. And I think it's what has often felt me disconnected in life of feeling like. I'm missing something or I'm not getting something. And I think that something is just me always having been conscious that there's another way. There's another way to experience life that is probably the exact opposite direction as we've been told, which is, you know, we have to force things and fix things and protect things. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm there in this space in the conversation. I, I, I believe that, yeah, there, there's really nothing here to fix. This is just one big sandbox for us to play in. And, that, you know, the more that I find, the more that I remember that and I'm conscious that this is just a sandbox, it's only ever a sandbox, it's meant to be fun, um, the more joy my life is and the more joy I experience in it. Um, so, yeah, good and good and good. That's all there is. All right. Beautiful. I really am grateful that we get to have these conversations. And so many of these um, ideas that we're discussing are food for thought things that I invite you to contemplate. And I think contemplation is a very important aspect of spiritual practice. So what do I mean by that? Just your willingness to, after meditation or in meditation, to just contemplate some of these ideas, to go within and ask your highest 
holiest self, spirit self, I am presence, your spiritual consciousness, Holy Spirit, for clarity around some of these ideas and just contemplate them. Venerable Dahani Oahu talks a lot about being willing to contemplate, contemplate the idea of duality. So we have five minutes until 9.30, which and then we'll take a five-minute break. So I'm going to invite everybody to, again, get comfortable, sit with your spine erect. And Martha, I know you're driving, so you can just turn off the radio if you're listening to the radio while listening to this call. <laughs> and close your eyes. Take a deep breath in. And let's just take four and a half minutes to contemplate true forgiveness. And in this time, I invite you to enroll the help of Holy Spirit, of your spiritual consciousness, and say, if I knew what to ask for more clarity on true forgiveness, what would it be? What is there for me to know? And then just stay in a state of playful willingness. So let's all together do that, and I'll let you know when the time has come. And I invite you to really do it. I know that being on a teleclass, there's a temptation to just get online or press pause and go water the plants or something, but utilize this time, and let's really contemplate true forgiveness.
All right, we're at 9.30, so we're going to take a five-minute break. You can stay in this space of contemplation, or you can stretch your legs and refill, refill your water, use the restroom, and I'll see you back at 9.35.
Okay, we are back. So, would anyone like to share anything that came up for them while they were contemplating true forgiveness? Anything? Nothing. Well, I, uh, uh, oh, go uh, ahead. Go. Go, go, go. Um, just how far I truly am from that place, because uh, I think the, the person that I think of is my grandmother, um, and I just, so far from that, and where, I mean, I get, she's probably, my, she is probably my soulmate, as crazy, like, just, the, it, to love someone so much, you know, as a kid, but then for her to not love me back in that way and to, you know, abuse me, to to have that with somebody, it's, I mean, I know my soul and her soul before coming or before me coming into this world, definitely that was, pre, that was ordained, that was, that was something that was supposed to happen to me. And get it from that level. And there's part of me that thanks her. I'm grateful for that because it made me who, you know, in many ways, a, you know, really compassionate person. Um, but there's, I just can't have her in my life. Like, I can't be around her. I can't, I, I she's 99. She's going to be 100 in January, and they're having this big party for her in Miami, and my mom wants me to come, and I just don't want to, I have no, I just, I, I'm just so far from that place, I guess, when it, I mean, I can, I can apply it probably to, to anything, and I have used that, like to my ex, it was horribly, it was physically, mentally abusive, it was awful, but I total, I wouldn't even say forgive, like to me, there's nothing to forgive, like I, I see that for what it is. I even have love for her. I'm able to let that go. But for some reason with my grandmother, I cannot, it just doesn't, it's just there. Like I couldn't be in the same room with her and not want to cry. My heart feels so sad or to still have those emotions. I had this thought while yeah. I was contemplating it because um, I started with by asking it, like, okay, well, if I knew what to ask, if I knew what insights or is there anything that I I need to know? And what came up for me was what would you have to sacrifice in order to practice true forgiveness? What would you have to sacrifice in order to practice true forgiveness? And I know what came up for me. What came up when I when I asked that, Ellie? What would you have to sacrifice in order to practice true forgiveness? Or what, what feel? What, what does it feel like you'd have to sacrifice? My belief. My mm. yeah, my belief. My um, my my truth. Um, I guess protecting, protecting my dad, 
and my sister, pr- pr- like protection from her. Um, my my heart, I would have to get, like sacrifice my heart. Um, Why would you have to sacrifice your heart? Because it leaves it open again for her to just hurt me. It it leaves it because there's she's never she's ninety nine. It's just the way. And, and let me when I say ninety nine, this woman is so sharp. Like you would not even think she's that age. You think she's like probably like seventy. She's just she's so sharp. Um, mm. Well, here's so, here's something just, here's something yeah. to ask that I can ask you is is does she have the power to affect your peace of mind? And if the answer is yes, who gives her that power? I do. The answer is yes. And I do. I'm totally responsible. Totally. Mm. And because I don't know how not... It's like I revert back to the child again. When I'm... As soon as I'm around her that I know whatever I haven't healed absolutely comes up. And because I'm still working on that, I'm mm-hmm. still trying to heal those issues. Being in front of her, being around her, she immediately starts in on me. Um, mm-hmm. It's not positive. It's not a positive experience. There's not a positive word that comes out of her mouth mm-hmm. when I am in her presence or if I'm on a conversation with her. And it, all those things that I'm trying to work on, I am mm-hmm. faced with. It, it's like mm-hmm. it's right there again, and it's raw, and it just takes me so long to recover from it. Um, so by not being around it or her, I, I, I know it's it's healthier for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Let's, again, not confuse right. forgiving someone and thinking that you have to be around them <laughs> because you can be in full forgiveness and also acknowledge that you don't like being around somebody. And you can be in perfect, see their truth, be in full love with them and also mm-hmm. not have to ha- see them. How, and, though? How? Because if you well, told me, oh, I can't be around that person because, and it brings up that scene, it is yeah, well, you just can acknowledge that uh, you don't like them. It's okay not to like certain personalities, you know, and because here's the thing is, this is, it kind of goes back to the very first question I asked about you know, transcending the illusion of separation and or just making something better, you know. So you can get to the place where she's not, she, you, she doesn't get to you as much or you can know the truth of her. And the truth is, what's the truth of your grandmother? What is the truth of your grandmother? The truth is, about her, that she's the truth. It's a capital T. I'll give you a hint. 
It's the same okay. truth about you. Oh, she's divine. <laughs> she's of she's of divine light. She's, she's perfectly innocent. Perfect. She's an right. extension of the divine. That's the truth. Right. Right. So, does she act like it? No. Okay. So, her personality is not in alignment with her true nature. Is that a safe? Yeah. Is that a okay? So you might not like her personality, but is she her personality? Is that the truth of who she is? No. Is she her body? Is that the truth of who she is? No. So can you 100% unconditionally, unconditionally love the truth about your grandma? Yes. And in loving the truth about your grandma, does that mean you have to like her personality? No. Yeah, because her personality isn't even who she is. Right. And so loving yourself as well and understanding that why would you ever put yourself in a situation where you have to be around something you don't like? Why would you put yourself in that situation? You can right. love her unconditionally and not like to be around her. Does that make sense? Yes. Because what, what is it that you truly love? It's her truth. Mm-hmm. So that's it. It's 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 being able to move past all the bullshit and get to her to see her perfect innocence. So let me give you an example. This is what came up to me when I was contemplating. I realized that I had to sacrifice my judgments and opinions of other people and my desire to be right in order to practice true forgiveness because there are certain people in my life that I have put myself on a higher pedestal than because of certain personality attributes that I perceive them to have. So I have, quote, unquote, forgiven them. I've done my due diligence. I can cross everything off the, off the box in forgiveness land. But I haven't truly forgiven them because I still have an opinion of who I think they are. And I allow myself to, uh, I allow myself to um, energize that. So I realize, oh, I have to let that go. I have to let go of my judgment and opinions of other people. Now, I also recently had an experience where I had to confront a really sort of, mm, I'll, I'll just say the word that's coming up, a nasty uh, quality in my personality in which I saw that I like to punish people when they are not stepping up to an expectation I have of them. And I saw that with my uh, my assistant, my administrative assistant, who recently resigned, <laughs> because I was really holding the space that he would get something that he wasn't getting. And I was upset that he wasn't getting it, I see now that it's just not in his personality to get what I wanted him to get. But I would, you know, keep holding him accountable. I'd keep, you know, pointing it out that he was falling short, he was falling short, he was falling short, which was creating 
upset in his world, which was just making him, you know, uh, mess up in even more ways because I was whole, I was expecting him to be something that he wasn't. And I was disappointed because I felt like I was going on a ledge for him. And he wasn't stepping up to what he said he wanted, but he didn't know that he couldn't step up and show up in the way that needed to be. He wanted to, but he just isn't there yet. And that's okay. Like, that shouldn't be something that you get punished over. But I was so upset that he wasn't showing up in the way that I needed him to show up or I wanted him to show up that I was, in a way, punishing him, shaming him in some way. And I had to really look at that part of me that shames people and that punishes people. It didn't mean that I didn't love him any less. I really adored him. In fact, I loved him so much that I was really, I I probably kept him on board longer than I needed to because I was hoping that he would be able to turn a corner and be somebody that he just wasn't right now. He wasn't ready to be. Now, that might be similar to your grandma's relationship with you. In fact, I'm willing to bet that she probably loves you the most. But you are not fulfilling some fantasy that she has about you. And that upset or disappointment that she has that you're not fulfilling what she perceives as the perfect granddaughter, successful woman, potential, whatever, your potential, because your interests don't align with hers, she probably punishes you for not showing up to be who she needs you to be so she feels like you're okay. So you're not showing up to be the fantasy of what she has as a successful, with it young woman. And, you know, the only, can we really blame her for having her personality? Can we really blame her for having, because someone taught her to punish and someone taught her to shame when people weren't meeting expectations. And I am willing to bet that she learned it because that's how she was raised. And so she translates that as love. You know, she wants the best for the people that she loves. And when they aren't reaching that specific, you know, fantasy goal, then she punishes you for it. And she feels like that's going to motivate. And that's just not how you're designed. So, And knowing that, you can just say, okay, well, this is a woman who was taught to motivate through fear, through anger, and I'm not designed to respond to that. In fact, that pushes me away, and I can acknowledge that because I don't like to be around people who are yelling at me or shaming me or manipulating me. And so I don't have to make her bad or evil. I can trust that she had her own unique experience and she chose to do with her experience as she has done. And I'm going to do my best to love myself unconditionally, to nurture myself the way that she didn't nurture me, to uh, support and inspire and uplift the other people in my life as a living uh, uh, testament to my commitment to love myself. And I'm going to love her unconditionally from here. I'll practice true compassion and true forgiveness. And that still doesn't mean I have to go to her birthday because it sounds like a, it would be an awful experience that I'm not interested <laughs> in having, <laughs> you know? Not, not at all. You know, I, I get that, the part of what you're saying is very true about um, 
experience that she had, and that's probably what she's teaching to me. The thing is, though, it started when I was so young, before I could even form decisions, like comparing, like, my sister's, like, 5'9", and beautiful, and I was this short, dumpy kid. So she would, like, say, like, oh, my God, look how, because I wanted to be an actor and a singer when I was younger. So she would say to me, oh, look at your sister. Your sister should be that. She's so tall and beautiful. You'll never be that. You'll never look like that. You're never going to be good enough. Like, at such a young age, it's things like that, you know, and I understand as an adult uh, where you could form that, you know, where I could I could see that. But then even when I try to go her path, I'm like, okay, fine, I'm, I'm going to go to, she always said I'd be a great psychologist. And then if I would ever go to school, then she would support that. She wouldn't support the arts or those things, but she would support I mean, going to school. So I'm like, okay, fine, Grandma. I'm, I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to do what you say. And I got accepted to Antioch. I got into their master's program for clinical psychology this last year. I called her up, and, and she's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. If you would have been doing this, you know, for, you know, all this time in your 20s, you could already be something by now. You know, it gives me the whole lecture. I'm like, I swallow it. She goes, all right, just let me know when, to, you know, you need tuition. And I'm like, okay. I call her up, and I say, okay, I'm ready. You know, I need tuition. And she said, yeah, you know, look at your track record in life. I, I really, I don't feel that I can um, invest in this for you. Why don't you graduate first and get a really good job, and then I'll put in my will that I'll cover your student loan expenses. She didn't believe okay. in me enough to support to support this path. So beautiful. It, it didn't so yeah. it sounds like one. It sounds like you're an overachiever. It sounds like that you came into this world ready to love yourself unconditionally, and so you enrolled the services of someone who is going to support you in being completely self-sufficient, um, someone that appears to have all this money can make your life so much easier, and then it's going to withhold that from you so that you can find a powered platform to stand in what you desire for your life, what you're interested in your life, and also giving you the space and the fuel to create the opportunity to uh, do it in a different way. Yeah. What a blessing. What an angel she is. Oh, I see what an, it. Like what an that. angel she is, you know? I see it totally on a spiritual level, in, in, in a spiritual way. I totally see it like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause just for a second. Yeah. I know what's okay. coming next. Yeah. <laughs> what if the spiritual way was the only way. Right. So just say, oh, I see it. Because whatever was about to follow that mm-hmm. I see it in a spiritual way was an excuse to stay angry. That's the excuse to stay in the judgment and the opinion. You have a belief, and this is going to be our bridge to the Byron Katie work. Mm-hmm. You're arguing <laughs> with reality. You think your grandma should be a different way. And in that fantasy of what you think your grandma should be lies all your suffering and all the upset. And it's that easy. You're in your grandma's business. You think your grandma should be a woman of her word. You think your grandma 
to see you and support you and love you. These are all things that you think your grandma should do and things that you think your grandma should be and how your grandma should show up. You think she should keep her word. You think that she should be willing to finance things that uh, she wants for your life. You think that, uh, you know, she should show up and be someone different than she has always been. And so you're going to blame her for being consistent. You think she should have a different personality. You think she should have that, you know, the nurturing, loving grandma energy that so many other people get to have, uh, being a powerful matriarch, someone that supports you and doesn't pick on you. You think all these things that your grandma grandma shouldn't judge you. These are all things that you think your grandma shouldn't be doing, and yet she's doing it. And then Mm -hmm. then you blame her for it. And when we argue with reality, we suffer. Yeah. Because she always, um, I don't ask her, I've never, I don't ask her for anything. I, I don't, I've never, I've, I've supported my own college, I funded my own thing by working, I've never asked her for a dime. And this is a woman that is a, I can't even describe how much money she has. She could feed, probably, she could, I don't know, probably give Donald Trump some money. Like she, she's so rich. And I have never asked her for a penny, never. She's offered she offered to um she offered to she wanted me to go back to school so bad and to do psychology um all my life i've supported myself and i said oh you know what okay and she's offering this and i'm like wow maybe this really is my true path my true calling you know well this is lining up i've i have you know, gone through so much struggle financially in my life and just in so much areas. I'm like, wow, okay, well, maybe I finally reached the, uh, I've learned or what I needed to learn. And, okay, well, maybe I, I can um, trust her this time. Maybe, you know, she is being genuine. So I thought it was just the time of, like, kind of reconnecting and forgiving and for us to kind of maybe bond. And so just, I, I just thought that it was, it was a turnaround for us both. So, and then she offered, didn't ask her for money. She, she said, I want to, I, I'm so proud of you. I want to finance this. I want, I want to do this for you. And I was like, are you sure? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, wow. I'm like, okay, great, thanks. And then it came time for tuition. I mean, it was like literally like just, you know, it was shocking because it's just, I, I came in with an open heart just thinking that it was a new a new time for us and mm-hmm. you know for her just to to redo everything that happened again for my childhood and just to say well no I don't believe in you in this either now it was like wow um so was, what it sounds yeah. like is it definitely was a time for forgiveness mm-hmm. like it was like definitely time like she was really giving you the opportunity to forgive her now like now yeah. is really the time to do it <laughs> And so she set up the perfect situation for you to to do it again, you know. Right. I I, I see I, I see what you mean. I I do. I I really really do. I she do. loved you so much that she was willing to dangle a carrot in front of you and then pull it away. Mhm. Because she got that there was some you know some belief system of lack in there, some belief system of worthiness that still needed to be healed some belief system that your source, you know, your source of security, your source of abundance, your source of prosperity might lie outside of you 
and some outside source. She's like, oh, right, beautiful. So on a soul level, she's like, let's heal all of that. I love her so much that I'm going to support her in healing all of that as my final gift to her before I transcend into another realm of existence. Because I believe in her on this soul level so much. And so there's your gift. There's your work. So it is a time of true forgiveness. It is a time of, you know, releasing that which no longer serves you. All through the generosity of your grandma. And so when you say, I get that on a spiritual level, give yourself permission to just end there. I get this on a spiritual level, which is the only level. So thank you so much for sharing. Obviously, there's a little more work to do around it, and good news is we're not going anywhere. We're here with you. So we'll continue to do this work. And as we open up and broaden the conversation to incorporate the work of Byron Katie, uh, into this practice of forgiveness, my question for the group is, how does the Byron Katie work support us and what levels does the Byron Katie work support us in this forgiveness work? How does the work of Byron Katie support us in practicing radical forgiveness? Taking responsibility. Oh, bam, you hit it right on the head. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. You want to talk a little bit more about that? It, it stems from your your belief system. Yes, yes, yes. Your thoughts. And you can, as she says, you can make the turnaround. Yes. This, I love the work. I love the Byron Katie work so much because it is, the Byron Katie work is 100% all about radical responsibility taking full responsibility for your feelings. And, I mean, if you apply the work, the four questions, to any resentment, to any judgment and opinion, you soon begin to see that you're projecting your stuff onto other people. So, just like uh, Colin Tiffany talks about, you know, in the chapters of, on on projection. Same thing. It's about reversing it. It's transforming that victim archetype. It's cutting the cords to being the of uh, the victimization. Brandon, Mark, would you like to add to it? Soki? What do you think? What are your thoughts on Byron Katie's work, the work in radical forgiveness? 
Oh, this is so key. My best friend nowadays, I'm telling uh, my fiance, is BB. Letter B and letter B. It's all, it all comes in the belief. And anything that does not support you, put it in the basura. So basura is my best friend. So I'm learning to be conscious, be aware of what comes into my mind. Is it the belief that supports me to, our, to my highest good? And if not, my best friend is just sitting beside me, the basura, I throw it, throw it away and I move on. Okay, honey, I'm sorry. What are you saying? Who's your best friend? BB, basura, belief and basura. If the belief does not support my highest good, I put it in the basura. I throw it away. Hmm. So when we are exercising, me and my fiancé, we're thinking all the time about Byron Katie. Is it my problem? Is it their problem? Or is it God's problem? And it's really, really helping. Let me see. Just a second. Let me close the door. The caregiver is vacuuming. Anyway, it's like what's happening right now in the Philippines. They elected a president who who just kills anyone he likes with his private guns. They elected him. He came from the territory. And there was this big news con- big uh, press conference that he said to the woman media. He tweeted it. He said that in the conference because there's this woman, uh, an, a woman journalist, asking something, and he said, and he sang a very malicious, sexist song, and everybody in the Philippines just hated him, except the 16 million Filipinos who voted for him. Then I threw in Facebook about Colin Tipping's statement on radical forgiveness, and we're having a very, very good conversation about this. In Facebook right now, it's very hot. So taking a look at, I said, how would you, how would, how do we see the Philippine reality about this newly elected president on the light of Colin Tipping's statement on the color of blood when he talked about uh, Ronald, about Trump and the upcoming U.S. elections. It's really very, very helpful. So B is a belief, B is basura. Any belief that does not uh, support my highest good, I put it in the basura. That's how I see it. Amen, sister. Brandon, Mark? Hello. I'll go. Oh, I'll go. Um, I mean, they're they're perfectly matched between the work and radical forgiveness. Um, you know, I I believe one truly speaks to the other, um, although they approach the conversation in different ways. Um, 
we've done a lot of work, I think, in forgiveness. And I, you know, for me, I, you know, just being able to be exposed to both of their perspectives um, and their kind of approaches to it just kind of reaffirms that, you know, that one truth that really at the end of the day, and we've said this, there really is nothing to forgive in a way because nothing really happened. Um, and both of them just really highlight that point that, you know, everything's happening within our mind. And, uh, you know, the healing is when we, we stop pointing the finger and making things real and start simply turning towards what actually feels most joyous. So, quite powerful work. So, Brandon, if you were going to share or teach uh, like a sixth grader, so really simplify um, this teaching of uh, how the Course says forgiveness is part of the illusion, but it's part of the illusion that brings us closer to God, brings us closer to truth, or takes us us out of the illusion. What, What does that mean? So, forgiveness is um, the vehicle that really is going to transport us out of the suffering that we are having in the nightmare, basically. So, it's reminding us that nothing is actually going wrong. You know, I I believe that some things are actually happening, but, like, nothing is actually going wrong wrong and that um, we've attached all these conditions to what needs to happen, how it needs to happen, where my body comes into play. So I think if I were to explain to a sixth grader, I would say, um, do I would be like, do you remember how when you were little and you were scared at night and you believed that there was a monster in your closet or under your bed and your mom or dad would come in and be like, well, let me check and I'll get rid of the monster in the closet or under the bed. And um, then I would say to the sixth grader, do you see now how your parents probably knew that there was no monster there? That there wasn't a monster under your bed or in your closet, but they needed to meet you where you were in order for you to feel safe in that moment. I love that. That's like so perfect. Like great uh, analogy. Thank you. Um, yeah, you know, guys, we actually uh, just on a side note, we are uh, just about ready to launch officially launch the new Inspire website, and part of that is God Shots, but so they're Soul Solution. I think they're. I'm not sure if we call them soul solutions or God shots, but they're the little blogs. And um, I would love everybody to, when you feel inspired and would like to contribute uh, on the Inspire website, uh, uh, God shot soul solution blog, which should be, you know, I mean, not terribly long and easily digestible spiritual teachings. Um, just forward them to me and I'll put them up on the website. Um, Brandon, I would love if you would write a 
blog on that, using that analogy, because I think that's so perfect and totally uh, a great example, totally makes it understandable to people. Well, done. Uh, thank you. Yeah, cool. Yeah, if you have time, do it. I, I, I would love to put that on the site. Um, beautiful. I love that, Brandon. Oh, I'm so turned on by that. That's so great. Um, yes, perfect. <laughs> it totally checks under the bed for you and shows you that, look, there's nothing to be scared about. It's releasing our judgment. So Byron Katie's work is like the perfect solution to projection. When we project our stuff onto other people and blame them for us not feeling the peace of God. So we think it's them that's preventing us from experiencing the peace of God. But what we've done is we've created, made them a false idol. We've made that not a false idol. We've taken them hostage. So anyone that we expect to act a certain way in order for us to be happy, we've taken hostage. So, Ellie, I'm going to use you and your grandma as an example because we were just talking about it at group level. And since I know Ellie is committed to practicing full responsibility, that Ellie has, in a way, taken her grandma hostage. And she's even taken the memory of her grandmother hostage. So she needs her grandmother to show up a certain way in order to feel peaceful. And she needed her grandma to show up in a certain way. So there's now a archetype sort of... um, monster boogeyman in the closet that has, like the memory of Ellie's grandma has transformed into this. And it's the cause for many of the negative experiences and beliefs that Ellie is healing now as an adult. It was put there as when she was a kid. It was put there by her grandma. So her grandma is to blame. But how could that possibly be true? It's that L.E. believed her. So it's L.E.'s belief in what her grandma said that has created the isms that have, that manifest as certain experiences in her life that have manifested as that. And so now she's, it's an undoing process. She's undoing those belief systems. She's unlearning the judgments that she had about her grandma. She's unlearning them. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that amazing? Beautiful. That, that's freedom. That's real freedom. And yeah, you know what? It might take a process. Why? Because she's releasing one thought at a time. And she's definitely in process with it. And Knowing Ellie from a year ago to this point, she's made huge leaps and bounds. She's even willing to have the conversation of forgiving her grandma. It's a big, 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 big leap, big steps. But that's the power of, and that's to say what Brandon, you know, to back up what we were just talking about with Brandon is, that by using forgiveness, it takes you closer to Full responsibility, which really is, takes us to full awareness of our true self, which then supports us in transcending the illusion of separation. 
So it's in our willingness to forgive. Let's see who's on the call. Yeah, I mean it's in, it's in our uh, willingness to forgive. You know, radical, the radical Christian right that you know will be protesting at Gay Pride that passed Prop Eight that created the these you know, freedom of religious, whatever bullshit it is, laws in North Carolina and the bathroom laws, all those things, being willing to see them as perfectly innocent. And not just let them do that. No, of course not. We take a stand in love. And if you feel inspired to, you go towards creating laws that are more in alignment with Radical inclusivity. So we always know if the ego is making the decisions or if you're operating from ego, if somebody has to lose. So if in any situation somebody has to lose or somebody gets to win, but not everybody, then you know that it's ego. So I was thinking that uh, I'm just going to be really transparent and I, you know, I, I ask everybody practice, um, you know, the, whatever is spoken in the circle stays in the circle. Uh, you know, uh, Kelly, who was the, you know, helped me in, administratively, uh, and it really helped me take Inspire out of the bars into the center and develop a container to grow from that. You know, she developed this um, dependency on me uh, that pretty much like I, she just needed my approval for everything, you know. And I saw someone who was, you know, a woman in need, and that was definitely one of my uh, codependent, uh, like, I just gravitate towards women in need because my mother was a woman in need when I was growing up, and she was the first person I really, you know, took care of and projected, so, and, and protected, you know, and so my tendency, my habit of entering into codependent relationships with needy women, with women in need, who thought, who believed they were in need, and her desire for me to be, you know, for my approval for everything, created this delicious codependent relationship and also created this great situation in which uh, she appeared to be really intense to the experience to the point of, you know, having a diagnosed condition around it. And that gave me all the evidence I needed to develop a strong opinion that she was crazy. And I have done so much work in forgiving all of the experiences that felt really painful and upsetting to me during that whole process. And I came to realize a couple months ago that that the experience itself in 
working with Kelly and a lot of the emotional stuff that came up around her that, uh, you know, on a daily basis uh, actually created symptoms of trauma within me. And I would have really, um, I was starting to have like sort of like panic attacks if I thought I was going to have to deal with her, work with her in some capacity or have to interact with her. And I thought that's a really intense response to like having to have a phone call with her because she now works at another church that I'm associated with as well in San Francisco. So I had to really stop and acknowledge that and be like, wow, okay, what's really going on here? And, you know, in working with my coach and my counselor and my teachers and stuff like that, I really got that, you know, I, though I, you know, did my technical forgiveness work, you know, I technically forgave her, um, there was still a lot of opinion and judgment that I was projecting onto her. And just now in my contemplation about true forgiveness, I realized I had to sacrifice my judgment that she's crazy. I have to be willing to sacrifice the judgment that she's crazy in order to practice true forgiveness with Kelly, in order to see her innocence. Now, with that said, I if I, to, so to go back to the point that we were talking about LE, if I was able to see Kelly's perfect innocence, if I was able to know the truth about her and all of that stuff, does that mean I have to become friends with her again? Like I have to be good friends with her and have, a, have the relationship that she wants to have? Of course not. Why? Because I'm not, I don't enjoy spending time with her. It's not a joyful experience with me because it feels, at least right now, there's too much. Um, there's just too much involved in it. There's too many. Um, there's still work, I think, on her end that needs to, you know, happen in order to our personalities to match. And I'm okay with knowing that. And so my work now is to continue to place on the altar my opinions and judgments about her, about her diagnosis, about what that means about her, about how she shows up, about the things that she posts on Facebook and how she interacts with other people and and how she, you know, all of that stuff. Like, that gets to be my work in, if I'm truly interested in practicing true forgiveness. Now, why does it have to be with Kelly? Why can't I do that with someone else? because Kelly is who is at the forefront of my consciousness. She's who's in my face, you know. And by in my face meaning, like, that's who I get emotionally triggered by when I think of that person. And so that's how I know that that's my job is it's, I'm emotionally triggered by it. And so if I'm emotionally triggered by somebody, then I know that I'm believing something that isn't true. And so why not? you know, look at who's the most intense triggers that I have. So here's the invitation for you to contemplate this week. Who are your biggest triggers? Who do you get triggered by? And this could be someone that you've never even met. It could be it could be Donald Trump. It could be, you know, Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders. It could be um, one of the Kardashians. It could be, you know, Britney Spears. A lot of, there's a lot of, you know, people in the media that we've collectively decided are triggering. 
And ask yourself, be willing to spend some time in contemplation, like what am I believing that isn't true? And am I willing to, quote, unquote, sacrifice my judgments and opinions in order to experience perfect peace? Because in that peacefulness does our freedom reside. So we have a specific homework assignment this week. And the homework assignment is to write a forgiveness letter to your parent, one of your parents. And it's not the parent that triggers you the most. (laughs) So who out of your parents, do you really take an honest, you know, assessment? Who do you have the least amount of, or seems to have the least amount of forgiveness work to do around? Is it your mother or your father? And it might be like one percentage less, but still, we're going to write a forgiveness letter to the parent that we feel least triggered by. And you're going to turn that into me by Friday. You're going to follow the forgiveness letter outline that uh, we've been using, the one that Jennifer Hadley came by, and uh, be willing to discuss it in class next week. Your homework assignment, just so we're totally clear, is to write a forgiveness letter to the parent who you feel least triggered by. Turn it in to me by Friday and be willing to discuss next week. And also, spend some time contemplating in your uh, formal practice time. Who are your triggers? Who are you still holding judgments against? How willing are you to release those judgments? We have to sacrifice nothing in order to have everything. Any questions on the homework assignment? Jesse, uh, we already did a forgiveness letter to a parent. Yep, we're going to do it again. And it's going to be to the parent that you feel least triggered by. Okay. So a specific parent that you feel least triggered by. And with these forgiveness letters, you should know that just because you do one forgiveness letter doesn't mean you can't do another one in the future because God knows I've written multiple forgiveness letters to different people, especially myself, about the same thing because I was like, oh, nope, not totally free there. So we have four minutes left until 1030, and I am going to talk about something that is going to be happening in the future. Um, as we are beginning to build a container for it. Um, And I feel very blessed to have a lot of great support and guidance with this uh, specific project. So the ministerial certification licensing program, which is what comes after the practitioner program, if you're interested in doing so. My, uh, I suspect that I'm going to be launching 
the ministerial program in January of 2017. And, uh, you know, your practitioner license, the, completing the practitioner program is a prerequisite for um, enrolling in the ministerial program. And uh, it's not required. You don't have to take the ministerial program. The ministerial program truly is for those, I, I think, uh, for those who feel like uh, this is really part of their calling, that showing up and sharing, um, you know, spiritual truth in the world is definitely part of their calling. And that you can do that without a ministerial license, obviously. But um, I say that because the the work there's going to be uh, sort of more work involved. There may be two classes a week. That's a requirement. Um, one on philosophy, deepening the conversation of philosophy, and then the other on practices, uh, different practices, and uh, things like that that a minister needs to be versed in. Um, as of now, it looks like we'll have some guest teachers. Uh, there might be people actually teaching full modules uh, that aren't me. I'll definitely be involved probably mostly in the philosophical realm of things. Um, but I also know that, uh, like Michael Lennox, will be teaching something on psychology and spirituality, um, sort of the parallels between the two and where they meet. I'm uh, sure Candace G. will be teaching... Uh, about uh, some stuff. I'm going to have Reverend Alfredo probably come aboard to teach um, some stuff as well. Certain practices, ethics, uh, leadership, skills, sort of things, uh, everything that uh, uh, one needs to know to feel fully equipped to be a minister. So, so obviously you guys <coughs> will not have graduated, uh, have completed the practitioner course by that time. Uh, but I am going to make it available to you if you are interested in doing it. Now, what that means is you'll have to do, complete the practitioner program and participate in the ministerial program at the same time. So it's a big commitment. Uh, it's a big commitment. And I don't want to pretend that it's not a big commitment. It, you'd have to treat it as if you were getting a college degree because in many ways you are, yeah. in many senses you are. But uh, I just wanted to put that up on the table. Obviously, it's a ways away, so no decision has to be made, but I am uh, really feeling led to uh, extend that invitation to practitioner choose if you feel as though you really do, uh, you're interested in pursuing uh, ministerial license to inspire, to uh, uh, do both at the same time. Uh, there will be, um, in addition to the uh, the uh, formal classes and stuff, there will obviously be a uh, service element to it as well. Again, this is for those who really feel led to do this work. Um, so, yeah, so I just wanted to mention that as we are beginning to uh, put plans in uh, motion to create the curriculum for the ministerial program and uh, 
feels like it's going to be really exciting and very cool. Uh, Reverend Roxy might participate. Reverend Jennifer might participate in some capacities. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I look forward to it. It's going to be really cool, man. But uh, with that said, it is 1031, so I'd like to conclude class. Do you have any questions about the ministerial program? I may not have all the questions for you yet. Again, I'm just sort of planting seeds, so uh, just putting it out there. What's the cost, Jesse? I haven't decided on that yet, but it will be comparable okay. to the practitioner program. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, it depends. You know, it's going to depend on if I'm paying the, rever- the the people who are going to be teaching classes. If I'm paying them, then it's going to have to. I'm going to have to make sure that that's, um, you know, in considered in the cost of the program as well. But again, I don't have that answer for you, but. Um, it will be comparable and always, you know, there's always, I'm always willing to create opportunities for people that they feel very, and they feel led, so. All right, so with that said, let's take a deep breath in and breathing out. We just give thanks for the opportunity to come together to explore even more these ideas, these practices that are supporting us in awakening to our true selves. We are worthy. We are worthy. We are worthy. And we just hand over the rest of this day, this weekend, this week, this month, this year, our lives, to the Holy Spirit, allowing ourselves to be guided and just affirming that we are here to be truly helpful. In grace and gratitude, we release this word and we let it be. And so it is. Amen. All right, everyone, I love you all very much, and I look forward to connecting with you real soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.